Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to When the Wind Blows. Uh, this is an epic podcast for parents, teachers, leaders, anyone vested in the world of education. I am Erin Barnes, host of the show, and I've got four very special co-hosts today. Uh, matter of fact, I'm going to try to stay out of it as much as possible. I may ask clarifying questions, but for the most part, the discussion today is going to happen between my two kids. I've got Tatum, who's a ninth grader, and Jolene, who's a sixth grader, talking with their great-grandparents, Donald and Beverly Lowry. Uh, Grandma and Grandpa, say hey. Hey, Erin. <laughs> awesome. My grandparents... This is kind of new, so bear with us. Oh, you're, you're awesome. Uh, my grandparents were born in 1931 and 1937, They've been married for 66 years. They have three children. Uh, in Kansas is where they grew up, and then now in Missouri. Um, they've been here in middle America, I mean, all their lives, but they've traveled everywhere in their retirement. Uh, Grandpa, what are some, where are some of the places you've gone uh, over the years? Well, we started out uh, back in the 80s. Uh, we met Linda and Charles in Washington, uh, D.C., and, and flew from there to England. And then we toured by bus, England, Holland, Switzerland, Germany, Italy, and France for, what, two weeks? Three. Three weeks. Man. And then we, when we got ready to come home, Charles was working for a government contractor in Egypt, so we flew on to Egypt and spent three days in Cairo, Egypt, before we came back home. And that wasn't the first time you were in Africa. I mean, that that might have been the first time, but you, you've also been to Africa another time. Is that right, Graham? Didn't you guys go to South Africa later? Yes, we did. We spent um, two weeks there, and we took an eight-day safari to Kroger. Uh, uh, Krogan National Park. That is wild. All right. Yeah. Well, so this whole idea, um, it came from something we did a few years back with some other students. And uh, basically, it's a living history project. The kids have textbooks and digital curriculum uh, that they read to, to learn about history. But um, we have a wealth of information in our older generation. And, and one of the things I thought would be cool is that grandma and grandpa, obviously, you would love to talk to your grandkids and your great grandkids more often. Am I right? Sure. Okay. <laughs> and my kids are trying to learn stuff. So why not learn through their great grandparents? And so um, Tatum and Jolene have uh, worked to come up with some questions. They're going to be covering some of their English standards. Tatum's got some government uh, ge- government vocabulary, and Tatum's or Jolene's got some geography she's covering here. So, you guys, uh, good if they just start asking you questions. Sure. All right. Uh, Anytime. All right, Tate, you've got the first question, right? Why don't you get going? All right. So, Grandpa, you were born in 1931, um, but I don't have great details about 
uh, before I was 10. So let's start there. In 1941, Pearl Harbor was bombed. What can you remember about this time? What did your parents say or do as a result? Well, I'm, I was raised by my mother. My, my father wasn't there, but uh, my two older brothers both went to the war, World War Two, and uh, both of them in the Navy. One was a gunner on the ship, and the other one was an electrician on another ship. Back then, I was just 10, 11 years old, so I don't, I'm like you, I don't remember a whole lot of what was going on back then other than I knew that my brother was gone. Was, uh, this is Aaron asking a, a clarifying question, what, was your mom worried? Do you remember um, kind of the feeling in the house while they were gone? Well, yeah, probably. Uh, we was living with my grandmother at that time, my mother's mother. Go ahead, honey, I'll go get Okay. Uh, what, what, we, what we remember most, both of us from our own home places, was the fact that uh, Topeka was a big base for the B-52 farmers, the huge farmers. And they would fly over and just kind of fill the sky in a formation. Now, was, uh, this is just me asking for my own knowledge, uh, this was the time, like, Rosie the Riveter was was born, right, in American history? Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of the women went to work building uh, uh, machines and everything to do with the war because the men were all gone. All right. Is uh, is Grandpa back in the room? Yeah, I'm, I'm on there. Go ahead. Okay. We were rationed, rationed. sugar, flour, cornmeal, everything were rationed, rationed. And if you had kids and you got more but you had make that last for the period of time until you, you get the next one so you couldn't just go out and bake cookies you had to measure the flour and the sugar to make sure you had enough to get by with everything else <laughs> and, and you had green stamps to use to buy it with what are green stamps it was his book that you could buy so many green stamps a month or something, I don't remember. Okay, Grandpa, you were 19 when the Korean War started. Were you required to serve back then? Were you part of the war? Uh, yes and no. I was drafted uh, to go to the end of the service, and when we got there to be sworn into the Army, a... Master Sergeant from the Marine Corps walked in and said, I need six to volunteer for the Marine Corps. Who wants to volunteer? Oh. And a friend of mine right next to me nudged me. He said, let's go to the Marine Corps. So we volunteered. That's why I ended up going to the Marine Corps instead of going to the Army. So you were drafted for the Army, but then the volu- then you volunteered for the Marines? Yeah, I volunteered for the Marines, so that's why I went and. See, the Marines don't draft people. That's all volunteer. So then what was your role in uh, during that wartime? Uh, 
I never left the States. I, I was a truck driver. In fact, I, being I had already knew how to drive and so forth, I even taught guys to drive Jeeps and so forth that had never rode a bicycle or anything, <laughs> but uh, taught them how to drive Jeeps and how to, to operate them. I mean, you get in a bad spot on how to get out of it and how you can wrench yourself out or whatever. I, I never left the States. I stayed in the States. I was in from 1952 to 1960. I bet your mama was uh, relieved that you never had to leave the States, huh? Probably, yeah. <laughs> okay, we're, we're taking a giant jump into history now. Okay, Grandma. We were taught in my government class that the early 50s in the Supreme Court ruled in Brown versus Board of Education. This was a Kansas court case that finally said segregation of schools was no longer lawful. Do you recall the overwhelming feelings of the country at that time? Well, it's hard to say because we were from the Midwest, a farm family, I uh, went to school with 200 students. The whole town was 200. And I have 12 in my class. And so it's hard. I just remember um, that it kind of upset a lot of people. But we had a, a colored family in the in a community, and they attended school with us. So that... Um, that we just accepted them as one of us and never thought too much about it. So uh, I know that a lot of the bigger places, there there were a lot of problems. Um, Grandpa, do you, you are a little bit older. Um, do you have any recollection of, I mean, I guess, what, three, four years older? <laughs> but do you have any recollection also? You, you were also from Kansas, is that right? Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, our hometown was only about 15 miles apart. But uh, yeah, when I was in service in '52, uh, it was in early '52. It was still segregated. The colored had their side of the bus depot, and the whites had their side of the bus depot. The blacks rode in the back of the bus, and whites rode in the front of the bus. But that ended up changing in the mid '50s. You know, it's it's crazy because, um, you know, my kiddos, as they read through history, it's uh, it's history, you know. I mean, they can't imagine a time uh, when it was separated or segregated, um, but it, it wasn't that far off ago. I mean, the fact that you guys are able to relive and recall some of the details, um, it, it's pretty, pretty insane um, how disconnected we sometimes get from history. I was just reading the other day, Grandpa, did you know that um, Anne Frank and Martin Luther King Jr. were born two years before you, but both were remembered for completely different points in history? Yeah. That's pretty wild to think about. Yeah, it is really. But that's the difference from being from the South and being from the Midwest. For sure. All right. Now, Grandpa, in 
In the 50s and 60s, America was worried about the communism. What was everyone scared about? I don't know. That didn't affect us too much here in, in the Midwest. Uh, we, we heard about it and read about it, but it wasn't really doing that much uh, for anybody to worry about around here. That's that's interesting too. Did did you guys ever watch that? Uh, what was that old show with uh, Carol? Um, All in the family. What was his name? Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I remember. Uh, I remember that being wild, and them talking about communism on that show. I didn't like it because it was so. Uh, it was. You know, like you say, segregated, and he was against everything government, and I, I just, I didn't watch him much. So, uh, no real having to worry about communism uh, from your guys' point of view? No, we, we heard about the blacklist in Hollywood. If you were, you were on a blacklist, and nobody had anything to do with you if you um, went the communist way. So it was kind of a thing of elites at that time. And, of course, we're a long way from Hollywood, so we really <laughs> didn't pay attention to it. Yeah, for sure. All right, taking another little jump in history. Okay, Grandma, what did you think about John F. Kennedy? You were like 26 or 27 at the time. Did you have kids yet? Were you, where were you when... He was killed in Texas. Yeah, I, all, I had all three of the kids by then. And um, I can remember like it was yesterday. I was, in the, I was working for the bank, and I was in the lunchroom. And somebody came in from outside. Of course, we didn't have the TVs or anything like that in the lunchroom at that time. And somebody came in from the outside from lunch, and they said that he was killed. It was, I cried. It was just uh, overwhelming at the time, because I liked the guy. <laughs> I think uh, almost everybody really liked the guy. I mean, not not the person or group, depending on which side of the, the conspiracy you fall on, but... I mean, obviously not them, but it seemed like he was one of the first uh, super uniting presidents of uh, modern time. Yeah. Until he came along with Reagan, and he just unified everybody. (laughs) Yeah. But again, at the time, we were still in the Midwest, and people didn't really talk politics. What were what were people talking about in the Midwest during the sixties? <laughs> or I guess late fifties as well, the hippies, but I guess. <laughs> the, the hippies. That's, yeah. Uh, I I don't know. It's so oh my, you're stumping me. <laughs> Sorry. Too many years ago to try to remember. I suppose so. All right. I just remember the funeral of Kennedy. Everybody shut down everything. And uh, I was home, and my neighbor would, gave me a perm while I was sitting there watching a whole day watching funeral processions. 
Wow. I rem- that's what I remember. All right, um, Graham, same question, but with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Where were you? What was the mood of the nation? You know, I don't remember much. I don't know where I was. Um, I know I saw it on the news later, but I, at the time, I, I I just know there were were riots and, and people were really started divided. They really picked one side or the other. But here again, we were so far away from everything, we just went about our business. Well, and it probably also says a lot about just kind of where the nation was and what was important to televise and what wasn't important to televise back then. Uh, you know, it's uh, a totally different world now. Okay. So jumping ahead again. Grandpa, the moon landing was something that Mr. Kennedy said we would do, but he never got to see it. Can you recall what sort of tension was in the air while we were in the space race with Russia and China? Oh, I don't know. Uh, you hear you hear on the news, but like Grandma was saying, that we were back here. It wasn't bother. It wasn't affecting us like it did the people in the, in Washington D.C. and east coast and the southern states so it, it didn't affect us here like it did those people the the hype of it all there wasn't a, a super like you guys weren't super hyped up um oh hope. yeah yeah we were <laughs> we watched tv halfway into the night until we landed and then you just felt relief oh so yeah tell us about the moon landing you guys were watching tv at the time yeah and like it, like I said, it just, it just kind of was like clockwork. And then you had to wait a long time before they came out and made, made the moonwalk. And John Glenn put up the flag. And they, they, they put a TV in the in the uh, auditorium at the school so the kids, grade school kids, could actually watch it on TV. You know, that's wild. I remember, so, I mean, obviously well after the moon landing, but I remember the Challenger going up and uh, watching it on television and watching it explode. And then just all day long, just re-watching that over and over and over again. You know, space was one of those things that was, I don't know, like so wild, Um and that was, I mean, they were sending the first teacher into space at that time. Now, I mean, I'm, I'm watching a documentary on Netflix uh, with uh, Elon Musk, the, the owner of the Tesla company, sending four people, four civilians into space. Like, we've come a long yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, he just sends them up and said bye. <laughs> Two hours later, they come down and land, walk out. Everything's fine. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's wild how far it's come. Right. All right. Last question. I wasn't born yet. Tell me about 9-11. Ooh. 
Oh, man. I remember like it was yesterday. It, we were sitting at the kitchen table watching the news before we went to work. And Diane Sawyer interrupted and said, we have a news, news that a plane has hit the uh, worst trade center. And they were flipping to record that, and we saw the second plane hit of a tower. It was just amazing. It was just devastating, you know, to think that would happen. And of course, uh, they didn't know at the time that it was terrorism until the Pentagon got hit, and then they knew they knew there was a problem. And you watched all day long at any plane in a, in the air at that time they made you land. No matter where you were, just get it off on the ground. And then there was one plane left and it was heading back to Washington, D.C. So they, that's the one that crashed in Pennsylvania. Mm. Tate and I um, went to New York a couple of years back, what, like four or five years ago. Um, and we spent the entire day at um, the Memorial and then the Memorial Museum. And right. it, it was just wild, uh, the the mangled fire trucks and stuff that were in there. Do you remember being in that museum? What were some of the things that stood out to you the most? Um. Just, like, little things I found, like, people's, like, old watches or shoes or something they found. Like, I don't know. I I thought that was kind of, like, sad. Just, like, those missing things. Because, like, those were, like, people in there. Like, I don't know. I feel like you obviously know that. But to see their own personal belongings is kind of, like, that's one of the main things I remember from that. Yeah. I remember, uh, do you remember that bike rack? there in there uh the building like people were driving riding their bikes to to work obviously and just the the mangled bike rack with the bikes still left in it right outside of the building was pretty crazy too did you listen to any of the phone calls um so in the museum uh have you guys been to the museum grandma grandpa never been to Well, that was the the building tournament. The museum is in uh, well, that museum was in New York City, um, but you you walk along um, and the walls have this timeline on it. But um, you walk along and you can pick a phone up off the wall and listen to uh, voicemails that were left for loved ones and. Um, Man, it it that'll tear you up. Uh, but then we were we were we spent the morning at the museum and stuff, and then we were taken to a musical um, later that night. And the musical was called "Come From Away." And Tate and I just saw it again like last week here in Tulsa. So this musical, um, Grandma and Grandpa, it's called "Come From Away." But all these planes were were headed to America from overseas. And, um, you know, 
they they had enough fuel that they could land in New York or Florida or, you know, wherever they were headed to in the U.S. But because the U.S. airspace closed, they had to land in Newfoundland, which used to be like in the 50s and 60s, it used to be the place to land because it was the closest place from overseas. Um, but nobody lands there anymore. So this town of like um, 7,000 uh grew it doubled in size for for five days and for five days people had all these uh, seven thousand passengers in their their homes and in the the community centers and they fed them and so it was basically a musical about the events that happened after 9-11 and um it's the only place outside of pennsylvania dc and new york that has a large piece of the uh, the World Trade Center wreckage um, erected as a memorial because they did so much for the passengers that were coming over here. Mm-hmm. I think that happened on a small scale all, all over the country because its planes had to land at the nearest airport that could take them. Yeah, and and the airspace was closed for for days afterwards. Right. Yes, it was. Anyway, well, thank you so much for being a part of this program, for this podcast, for your history uh, from, you know, told through the eyes of a couple of old folks from the Midwest, right? (laughs) (laughs) I guess, yeah, old folks that were from the Midwest (laughs) and was good to talk to you, Tatum and Julie. You had really good questions. You kind of stumped us sometimes. <laughs> love you. Love you. I love you, too. You take care. Hope we helped you a little bit. You helped a lot. Thank you so much, you okay. two. All right. All right. Love you. Bye. Love you, too. Bye-bye. Okay. How precious were those two? And what a great gift for my kids to be able to dive into conversation with their great grandparents uh, over things that happened in history. Now, we're going to have to see what you know versions of history um, our textbooks show and and what the newspapers show. But this is a Midwest view of history and how they were impacted and how they weren't impacted by things that have happened here. Um, Like I said earlier in the show, they were covering listening and speaking standards. They'd covered some research standards before they got going. Tate was actually working on Brown versus Board of Education. Um, So there's just, uh, she had the word fascist and communism. And there were other things that uh, she was working on in government that we were able to basically take some of these standards and apply them to a fun project like this. And so maybe in the future, you'll get to do that as well. All right. Well, tune in next week where we are rethinking how leadership and education can better prepare the next generation for a rapidly evolving world.